So let's just jump right in. Let me talk to you about some leadership lessons on the life of a guy named Bezalel. We have a name for most people who are, um, who are valued but not noticed. It's called underrated. It, we, we look at people and say they're underrated. Um, Fred Taylor in the NFL is underrated. Most people say, I don't know who he was. Check his record. He's one of the best ever. Warren Dunn, Warren Dunn was another, one of the out, most outstanding players, wound up over at, at the Falcons. Never got noticed, never got recognized. Put his stats beside anybody else. He blows away everybody else. Some of you are the best workers in your field. Some of you are better in some of the departments you're in than anybody around you. But it's just that you don't get recognized. You don't get noticed. You work just as hard. You do all you can. I remember one time being at a, I wish I'd had it quoted down or took a picture of it. I was in a barbecue restaurant. There was a little sign on the wall, and it had a picture of a train and a guy that was holding a railroad cap, and he said, my name is so-and-so, and it rhymed a lot. He said, I'm not the chief, and I'm not the engineer, and I don't put the coals in the truck and all that. He said, uh, I, they don't even let me ring the bell. He said, but let this train jump the track and see who catches, and that was, you fill in the blank. <laughs> He's a guy who's saying, I'm underrated, nobody notices, but I'll get the blame if it all goes wrong because I'm a crucial player. Fact is, is that in sports or business, we see a man or a woman who's doing the best, and yet they may be awesome, but they may be underrated. There's an underrated guy in the Bible by the name of Bezalel. Bezalel is a character that we don't talk much about. There's two names, there's two men in the Bible named Bezalel. One's mentioned one time, one's mentioned nine times. The one we talk about today is mentioned nine times. He's found in Exodus 31 through chapter 39. Um, he was the grandson of a man named Hur, spelled H-U-R. You remember when Moses went to a battle one time with the Amalekites? And Moses is looking down, and he raises his hands, and two men stand on each side and hold his arms. One is Aaron. The other is Hur. Well, Hur's grandson is Bezalel. And so Bezalel comes from that family. He, uh, his great-grandmother was Miriam. His great-great-grandnephew would be Moses. So he's really connected with Moses' family. He, he basically, he's getting around people who are passionate. He's around people who have a purpose in mind. Can you, be raised, can you imagine being raised in a family that's like that? Uh, we have a home where, you know, everybody's home is different. One of our daughter-in-laws said, I've never been in a home like this. And for the first month, she was just kind of real uh, intimidated because she said, in our home, it's real quiet. And we sit here, and she said, when we have a dinner, one person speaks and the rest listen. And she said, it just goes by a long time. She said, I came to your home. She said, everybody's got an agenda and rushing here and doing that and talking over each other. And then she started laughing. She said, Mr. Bill, and I love it. She said, poor old Mr. Bill. She said, he asked for over five minutes if somebody would pass the salt. <laughs> they ignore him. She said, you know, Mr. Bill at church, he gets out of the car and people, oh, Mr. Bill. All that. And, and I said, I know, I don't like that. She said, but they'll even open a door, ask how you doing. She said, in his own home, I just watched him over and over while we're all eating. Could I have some salt? Would pass the salt? Ignored. I was a bezalel at that moment. <laughs> We, you may feel that way. It may be that way. Your environment may be one of those that's rush rust. I think being around Moses and all that, you saw passion. You saw purpose. You saw people on fire. And then what happens is God decides one day I want to use Bezalel for something. Now, here's what happens. Bezalel is a craftsman. He's good with his hands and with metal and with engraving. 
and with woodwork. He's a genius at that. In fact, in a moment, I'll shock you when I tell you his age, but God says these words. He, the Lord said to Moses, see, I've called by name uh, Bezalel. I, he says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting and carving wood to work in every craft. And so God gives them a calling. Now, first God has spent that whole chapter talking about the laws, what to do, what's not to do. And then he stops and says, now I want to teach you about worship. And I want to teach you how to worship and what to do. So he says, to the first guy I'm going to get is Bezalel. And Bezalel is going to be the guy that I use to be able to help the, to construct something that you can all worship with. And Bezalel was chosen to lead the construction for the design of the tabernacle. Now, you've got to understand, that's a huge deal. That's very, very big. In fact, you'll probably see the photo of it right there. And that's just one of the photos. But the, the tabernacle was a temporary house of worship. It had to be designed so that everything was perfect the way it was designed. And God was the, was the author and blueprint and architect. But the way they did it was, is that everything in there had to be taken down, set back up. As they traveled, they'd set it back up again. And they worshiped as they went. And the thing would last for over 500 years. And Bezalel was the one that God chose to use his gifts to build and oversee the building of the tabernacle. And so it was a big important deal because that was the, that was the whole church. That was where they worshiped, where they met, what was holy. And so that's what Bezalel does. Now, he also did something along that line. He was the one that God let him choose the fabric to be made for the curtains, the clothing for the priest and those that minister there, uh, all of the furniture within it, which some of that referred to some of the most important pieces of furniture. Bezalel is being led by God to do the most important thing. I mean, he's not just building end tables and desks. This guy is building the only church the nation will ever know at that time for 500 years. It was a place of worship. That was later replaced when they, when they landed in the land, then they built a temple. Now, Bezalel was known for that, but he's also known for building another piece. God gave Bezalel the call to build the Ark of the Covenant, the most holy, sacred piece, one of the most uh, important pieces of all their worship experience, and God used Bezalel to build that. You can't help but think, and here's a guy who's building something that people have been killed for touching. You remember when David and his men one time were bringing the ark back and two men reached up and touched it when they did, they died? Yet God is using Bezalel to be the one that touches it in the very beginning. Maybe one reason is because of this. Maybe Bezalel was a, was a pure man in the eyes of God and had clean hands and clean heart. I think of that because of this. You know what the name Bezalel means? It means shadow of God. If you're going to be in the shadow of somebody, you've got to be close, Right? And it reminds me of a verse. We know this verse, Psalms 91. He that dwells in the secret place will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He's saying when you walk with God and you're well, dwelling in the secret place of God, you will abide under his shadow. God is before you, behind you, around you. So even in the work that this man's doing with his gifts and skills that God's given him, it's a holy work. It's a precious work. It's an eternal work. It's going to last for a long time. and It's going to change people's lives. 
And so Bezalel's doing something I'm sure he never knew when he was a young boy, carving or whittling or making something. He never knew that God would one day raise him up to be who he was. And by the way, you know how old that Jewish scholars tell us he was? Take your breath. They say he was 13 years of age. It took one year to build it, but at the age of 13, Bezalel was already mature enough and had walked with God enough that God was using his life like that. Some of us are, we, we kind of think, well, you know, you got to reach a certain level, or you got to have certain skills, or you got to be qualified here. Uh, there's something about the call of God on your life and the gifts of God in your life that when God gives it, God will bypass all those things. You don't have to know all the right people to be used of God. You don't have to have the right credentials to be used of God. You don't have to be in the right place to be used of God. You just have to have a right heart and lean on the right one. And that's what Bezalel is going to show us by his life. So he's in God's presence there. By the way, here's what's interesting. Is that today, equivalent to like Harvard University, is a place in Israel called the prestigious Bezalel Academy of Arts and Design and the Bezalel School of Art and College. They're right there in the center of Jerusalem. And, and this is what they have on their website. You can see it today. Bezalel is proud to be recognized as Israel's preeminent academic institution for art, design, architecture, pioneering, originality, creativity, and innovation. All of that still goes on today from a little man who was there called by God. The interesting thing is when the verse says, I, for there's Bezalel, I put my spirit in him. That's the first time in all the Bible God says he put his spirit in him other than Adam when he formed Adam. Now, before then, the Spirit rested upon them, upon Moses, upon Aaron, upon David. But here it says, God said, I put my Spirit in him. There was something different, unique about this young lad. Now, if God had said, I put my Spirit in Moses, and obviously it was on Moses, we'd understand he's the leader. If he had said, I put it in Aaron, well, we understand. Aaron is the chief priest, the high priest. But he says about a guy that no one knew his name before, I put my Spirit in this boy. He's the unknown, unnoticed. He's the one that nobody's quite seen. Nobody else recognizes him, but I see in him a heart that he dwells in my presence when nobody else is looking. And I'm going to use his gifts that for 500 years, they will still be looking back in 1,500 years like today, we'll still be talking about him. So I look at that and it encourages me in a couple of things. Let me, let me just give you a couple of quick takeaways along that line and then something I think will be of help. One is this. God calls us all to a purpose. All of us have a purpose. They say that it's a wonderful thing to know this. Uh, it's, it's a good day when you know the day you're born, but it's a better thing to know why you were born. You know, it's not just enough that you were, but, but what your purpose is. All of us have a purpose, and God called us. God's gifts. The second thing is God gifts us for his purpose. God gives us all different gifts and you know, one of the things I enjoy, I like this about like when I do podcasts or interviews with people. Uh, Debbie and I, the other day, we were in a restaurant and a gentleman was there and, and we invited him over to eat with us. We got there that morning for breakfast and he came in and he was by himself. We said, come on, sit down. And we knew him by distance and hello and all that. That morning in about 30 minutes, we walked away and said, whoa, he'd been all over the world, had all kinds of experiences. Now he sits there quietly and never says a word. But that day we walked out going, unbelievable. And I found that over and over. I'll be doing a podcast with somebody or sometimes meet somebody that, you know, most people just walk through life and ignore them or oversee them. And when you get to digging in deep, you find out, no, I've been here, I've been there. 
was with a couple a while back, and in talking to him, I said, well, you've had some great experiences. He said, yeah, I can't share them with everybody. And after a while, he got to tell us, well, we spent, you remember uh, Onassis, you know, Jackie Onassis, her husband was a shipbuilder. This guy loved, the husband loved this friend so well, they used his yacht for their honeymoon. I mean, I don't know about you, but to use, you know, Onassis' yacht for a honeymoon, you got to be special. We, we went to Lake Point and Eufaula. <laughs> we didn't, I didn't have enough money to go to Panama City, you know. I mean, our, our honeymoon wasn't that far. <laughs> wasn't, the truth is, is I looked at things like that and say, wow, but nobody knew. And he would never tell you. But he'll sit there each week and sit with it, yet he knows the world leaders and never say a word until you begin to find it. And that's what I think God sees in all of us. God sees in your life the things nobody else sees. And the experiences you have in your life are there for a reason. Don't waste them. Third thing along that is this. God may give you a great assignment with little human recognition. Uh, you may be in a job where nobody notices. That's okay. There's a verse for you. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatsoever you do, work it with all your heart. Work is under the Lord and not under men. Because you do it for God and don't do it for others. And there'll come a time that you'll look back and say, what a lasting work I've done and I'm glad the way I did it. And the fourth thing along that line is God cares about excellence, aesthetics, beauty, and design. When, when God built that, uh, or told Bezalel to build the tabernacle, he spared no expense. He put his best forward. By the way, that's why even when I pastored the church, I used to always stress, folks, we're going to teach our people to love God, give their best to God, and then whatever God blesses you with, if God's blessed you, tithe. If he doesn't, don't. But if, if God's blessed you, God's shown you blessing and favor, keep him first in your life. And I remember sitting with some pastors in town that they didn't believe in that. They believed, no, if you teach them about tithing, that you'll run them off. And I said, if they're not tithing, they're not going to be blessed, and I want my people to be blessed. But they would say, no, we're going to do it this way. And they would have cake bakes and car washes and yard sales. I just don't think you give your best to God by giving your junk to God, okay? If you want, and that's true. I mean, that's, if you're going to give to God, give your best. You don't, you don't say, God, here's the leftover. Nobody else will have it, but it's yours. That, how, who thinks that way? And so when God designed the tabernacle, it was even ornate. What he did was well because he was trying to get them to put a focus on the sincerity and on the seriousness of worship. And it was aesthetically, everything was overlaid with gold and all that. But it was to show you that that was nothing more than God saying, this is your best, but that's nothing compared to him. And so, whatever, there's another verse. Ecclesiastes 9, 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So God called Bezalel to do some things. He called him to train other people. He had to create a, a lot of other people to do the work. And by the way, that's what leaders do. Your job is not just to lead, but to train others. Now, let me teach you a few things about that. Um, one is this. We all need three type people in our personal life, okay, uh, for personal growth. If I want to grow personally, we need three types. I'm going to give you this in a simple way. In the next few months, I may break out some of these in a different way that really works because there's too much gold in it. But this right here will be a simple way to get a handle on it, Okay. Frank Shamrock, the former UFC middleweight champion, dear friend, and he's been here before. Uh, Frank lives by a philosophy that's kind of similar to something I've had, and I'm going to use his for a moment because it, you can get a handle on it. Um, he calls it plus minus equal. Plus minus equal. He says, go through life knowing this, that everybody in your life that you want to put in your circle are one of those. Let me tell you what they are. 
A plus is somebody who's further ahead of you. A plus is somebody you can learn from. A plus is somebody that you say, when I'm with them, I'm going to grow. And, and that's, that's who a plus is. And all of us have a plus. By the way, some of you, the reason you're here is because perhaps this is a plus for you. You say, I can grow by that. That's what a plus is. A, a minus is somebody who's behind you. It's somebody who hadn't got there yet, but somebody that you can help. It's somebody you can lift up. I, I do it all the time. I, I'll, I'll look at... Um, I look at places that I go speak. I get a lot of invites to ghost places. And I don't get to decide, you know, I don't take them all. I look at them and say, what do I decide? We average one time, I think it was 17 declines a month was about the average. And the reason is because some of those things are not doing what I am gifted or to do, or um, I'm not really going to be the value. I know somebody else to be better. But there's some of them that I say, this is the one I want to be at. And there are places, it has nothing to do with crowd or or finances. Uh, I can tell you times I've turned down opportunities to speak before 10,000 people. In fact, my wife would tell you, I'm not going to another one of those preacher conferences. Yeah, 10,000 people, and that's wonderful. They all applaud, and yada, yada. And she said, I, I don't care to hear that, Bill. And, 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 and she's right. But she'll say, Bill, you need to take this meeting. And I'll say, why? Here's a young guy. He's got a small little church out in the middle of nowhere. And he's got the most dear wife. I remember the one you think about, we think about now. There's one at one time, nobody in the whole association, his church was trying to grow. He had like 50 people. He'd come to a church with 10. It was growing to 50 people in no time. And his wife called Debbie and said, his hero is Brother Bill. Would, is there any possible way that I could get him to come and encourage him? Because other pastors here are jealous. And they've just mocked him and belittled him. And she said, my husband wants to quit. So Debbie said, yeah, he'll be there. I didn't even know it. She said... You're speaking for so-and-so, and here's what you're doing. Okay. And she, she and the lady began to talk. i never forget that night. We went to that little place where they were at. I went to a conference there in his city. When I got there at that conference, uh, all these pastors were there, and they had a table for me at the front, but he and his wife were sitting in the back. And so I chose not to sit at the front table where I was supposed to be, and I sat with him at the back. And they would say, Bill, you can come up here. I said, no, no, I'm going to sit with my friend. And I just tried to put change on him while I was there. We loved on him, and I watched his life grow. And today, he's got a tremendous ministry. One of the greatest things I ever did when I look back is the day you helped somebody who all they needed, all they needed somebody to take the lid off. That's all they needed. I mean, they, they had the tools. They were going to get there without you. But that's what you want. You want to find some people that are the plus people you can grow from. You want to find the people that are the minus people that you say they're not there yet. But if I can touch them, encourage them, liberate them, put them in the right place or connect them, man, they can get there. And then there's another, and that's the equal. When we say the plus minus equal, the equal is somebody who's on the same level. They're going through the same problems. They're on the same journey. And when you're on the journey with them, that's what the Bible calls iron sharpening iron. You're with somebody that's just say, here's what I'm facing. Oh, you are? That's where I am. And, and you're able to grow through those things. I've had people before call me, you know, at this same level. Brother Bill, what do you do about so-and-so? And I'd say, well, here, don't do what I did, okay? That, that would be a mistake. And I'm able to help them. I remember one time, I remember one time it was the dumbest thing ever. I thought it was a good idea. Most of the good ideas I got are very few. I had 10,000 failures and five wins, and the five wins outdid it. But the good is you learn through it. I remember one time they were doing this, you know, when the fall time change comes. And, and it comes... You know, on a Saturday night, you set your watch on a Sunday. So I had this crazy idea. I said, I got an idea. 
nobody set your watch on Sunday, and everybody show up, and at the 11 o'clock service, we only had one service, and we'll all set our watch together. I thought it sounded like a cool idea. That was the most chaotic. It was like kicking over an ant bed. That day, people were coming all hours of the day. When church started, well, not, and nobody knew what was going on. It was horrible. It was the, and that night, I met in a deacon's meeting, and one of the deacons said, I just want to know whose dumb idea was that? I said, that'd be, mine. that'd be mine. And so I can tell you quickly, the next year, all these other guys want to copy, you know, brother, we're going to do like y'all did last year. I said, no, no, don't. It don't work. Uh, what you want is somebody that's an equal that you can say, I can help you. You can help me. Here's where we are. Uh, here's, here's one of the quick things along the line. Most people don't go as far as they could because they don't equip other people. And one of the reasons they don't equip other people or help other people is they don't understand the value of it. If you can equip other people, guess what? You're free to do other things in your gifting. And the biggest thing about being a leader is learning how to keep that plus, minus, equal so that you can equip others as well. Uh, if you don't do that, what happens is some people don't train or delegate or equip because they're afraid of what happens if they're so good they, they outshine me? What happens if they're so good that they don't need me anymore? That's okay. What happens if they're so good that it goes right on and then you can go do something you really enjoy? And so the key is raise up those around you. And that's what God seemed to do with Abezalel. He took the one that probably nobody else knew of, and that's what he did. Here's the young guy chosen by God. He never realized that day that he would be where he was. We'd be talking about him to this day. He was an example of both knowing and following his, his gifting and his calling. And so my hope for you today is this. Get you a plus in your life. Who are the people that you know that they can add value? Learn what you can from them. Get a, get a minus. Find those that couldn't get there without your help. And then get an equal. Find those on the same level. Sharpen each other. See where that takes you, okay? Well, I hope you enjoyed this BP Leadership lesson. To hear more lessons from Bill, make sure you check us out on our website, bpleadership.com, as well as check out the BP Leadership podcast on all major podcasting platforms. This is where real leaders are made.